come to the tutoring center down if they're needing help with math best thing I can do is stay as far away from them as possible and I find a student tutor for them to help them with math that I'm going to start a series working through the book of Colossians. It's not a long book, and uh, we're going to leave uh, leave room for the, the Spirit to do His work in case there's something else that needs to be preached next week or the week after, but uh, my intention is to, to work through this book as, as a focus on our church and what's going on there, and um, I really want to focus on on Paul as a pastor today. Paul as a, a minister of the gospel, and um, we're going to see how this is a, a prayer that he has uh, for his flock. So uh, let's uh, read the first chapter, verses 1 through 14. This is a letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Coloss who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God, our Father, give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have heard your faith in, of your faith in Christ and your love for all of God's people, which came from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. <clears throat> All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God's know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all His glorious power so that you have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to His people who live in the light. For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of of His dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. This is a letter to the church in Coloss, to the Colossians, and Paul writes it to them, and he basically starts out by telling them that you're off to a good start. Uh, you're doing well, you Colossians. They had heard the good news, and they had understood the truth about God's grace. And because of this, they were so excited about what God had in store for their future, that the love that they had for each other just 
poured out of them. Let me tell you what I just said again. They were so excited, this new church, of the love that they've received from Jesus Christ, that it was just spilling out of them onto each other. (coughs) My youngest boy uh, loves to say, I love you, especially when he gets excited. Maybe you know him, maybe you've, you've probably heard this from him. I've heard it from him probably uh, five or ten times already today. I, I love you, Dad. And what an example that is to me. This is the same thing with him. They're so excited that they're telling each other, that they, they're showing each other that they, they love them. They love each other. Man, and there's more ways uh, in which you get excited and just being happy about what is is done for you, but you can be excited in in a lot of different ways. This past week, and I'm sorry, guys, uh, that you have to hear about stories about my life. You're probably like, preacher, you you tell too many things about yourself, about these stupid things that you do. So I apologize ahead of time. But um, this past week, uh, my son Flint and I, we were... We were working on this car, jacking up this car to get it on a trailer so we could pull it home. And anybody know what a high lift jack is? Of course, Flint does. It's a high lift jack, a farm jack. Let me tell you what, there is no better jack to lift something up high quickly. And a high lift jack, man, they are great. They start out really low. There's this big iron piece that, you know, come up to about here. And you can jack something up three feet, and you don't have to block it and reset it and everything. There's no better jack. And they are versatile. I mean, you could pull a fence post with them. If you don't have a winch to pull your truck out, you can hook a chain on them and use it as a come-along. Oh, they're great. There's no better jack. There's also no better device to get hurt by than a high-lift jack. So Flint and I, we were jacking up this car, and I was making sure that I was telling Flint how to be safe with a high lift jack. <clears throat> See, you always want to tie the top of it because it's leaned, and you always want to hold the top of that jack when you're jacking it. we got the whole weight of the car on this jack because you, ne- you want to make sure that you're safe. And I was pushing that thing down, and just as I, I said that, it slipped out of my hand, and the, the like iron bar that you jack it up with flings up and smashes my thumb against the top of the metal thing. And you guys have used them, know um, it's pretty dangerous. I heard another story when, I, when somebody else was asking me what happened to my thumb. And they said, man, they pulled over one time and a guy alongside the road was using a high lift jack. And this, this guy pulled over to help him. And he did the same thing, slipped out and hit him in the head and knocked him out. Yeah, Henry said that. So uh, they're dangerous. And there I was. I, he smashed my thumb and I, I pulled it out and I looked at it. What do I, what do, I do at this point? Like, and the obvious answer came to me. I skip. <laughs> but that didn't help. Oh, it's not helping. So the next obvious answer, you drop to the ground and roll around. <laughs> and that didn't help. And so I picked up something and I threw it. And that didn't help. And then Flint, not knowing whether he should call 911 or put me out of my misery 
or what to do. He comes over and he says, Dad, I love you. Spills out of him in whatever situation. You know, I thought, everything that was going through my mind, man, I'm not going to be able to drive fence. Uh, man, if I gotta if I gotta go to the doctor, this is gonna cost a lot of money. And and man, and then Flint said, "I love you, I love you." This is the kind of thing that's happening at the first church. Uh, they're loving each other, and we can love each other, but it still doesn't make us perfect. The fact that they were still living in a fallen world, was causing them to look beyond Jesus. So here we have a group of people that they were loving each other, but they were still living like we are. Um, still living in this, this, this place that causes us to struggle. And they wanted to get anything they could that would help them solve their problems, their brokenness, and their pain. Whatever they could get, they needed it fixed. Well, the false teachers, they were taking advantages of this situation. Uh, The false teachers, they were providing add-on policies to the gospel. Kind of like, you know, the car insurance company that you have. And they will add on life insurance or dental insurance. According to the salesman, you can never have too much coverage, especially uh, to give your loved ones peace of mind. An add-on policy. Colossians, they wanted an add-on. They loved Jesus. But if they could add something else on that would give them double protection, that would be good, they thought. And so they were incorporating pagan practices in addition to being Christians. Now, Epaphras, Epaphras, who was an evangelist who shared the good news with the Colossians, he was concerned... And he was unsure how to handle this problem in the new church there. And so he went to his mentor, the Apostle Paul, and Paul writes the believers in Colossus this letter that we just read. Now Paul doesn't know these people. He's never met them, but he loves them. He thinks of them as his responsibility They are part of his flock because of his relationship with Epaphras. You see, Paul shared the good news with Epaphras and mentored him. And then Epaphras went to Colossus and shared it with the Colossians there. When the Colossians heard about Jesus from Epaphras, they said, Yes, that's exactly it. That's what we need. We have faith in Jesus. And they have a confident hope about what God has for them in heaven. So Paul is excited to hear about their answer to the new way. Epaphras comes back to Paul and and commends the people of Colossus. 
He says, man, they've been doing good. They've been doing good. But, but, but these false teachers, they're creeping up into the church. And these people are starting to think that maybe they need a little bit more than Jesus. You know, they're thinking Jesus plus other things like astrology or magic or other pagan things. They're having Jesus plus these things. And, and Paul says, okay, we've got to do something about that. And then he starts writing this letter. The introduction of this letter is the standard form of writing in which the, the sender identifies himself, and then he identifies to whom he is sending the letter. I'm Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. He says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. An apostle. Paul identifies, I'm an apostle, chosen by the will of God. In verse 2, it says, to God's holy people in the city of Colossus. Paul has identified himself as an authoritative figure, an apostle, oh, by the will of God. It's like an expert in the field. If you were a bull rider, or you were getting into bull riding, and you wanted to be the best bull rider, and you got a letter in the mail telling you how to ride a bull, well, it wouldn't you wouldn't take it seriously unless it had somebody's name on it like Larry Mahan. I don't know if you guys know that guy. Um, anyway, he's like the bull rider of all bull riders. He is the professional, like the best bull rider. So if you got a letter with his name on it telling you how to ride a bull, you would read it. And uh, by the way, uh, there was no junk mail back then, I don't think. I mean, I don't think a junk mail, you know, it's too much to, to pay for somebody to just deliver a bunch of stuff. Nowadays we get junk mail with whoever's name on it and it's fake. But they got this letter from Paul and it says, with authority, an apostle of Christ Jesus. By the will of God. It's a big deal. So the church there in Colossus would definitely take it seriously. And then Paul identifies the Colossians as God's holy people in the city of Colossus. God's holy people. This, this uh, you know, they may reside in Colossus, by the way. That this is where they live. Uh, but their identity is that they are God's holy people. They may be surrounded by pagan temples and idol worship, but they are set apart. They are different from the non-believers by the faith they have in Jesus. And the belief that he alone can save them. They're set apart. Paul calls them faithful brothers and sisters. Not necessarily because they have been acting in faith. But because he is calling them to be faithful. He's calling them to be set apart. After the introduction of this letter. Um, Paul doesn't jump right into addressing their mistakes. No, first he shares with them what he has been praying for them. He gives positives before the negatives. This is always a good practice, and maybe you've heard about this. I think uh, James Dobson talks about it, and others have talked about it. You know, we have an emotional bank inside of each one of us, I believe, and, and in these emotional banks, <clears throat> it's best, and this is really good for 
for a father dealing with their, their children, and maybe I say that because I'm a father and I have children, but, but you need to invest positives uh, before you give what your children might consider negative, you know, constructive criticism, or before you um, line them out with a lecture, maybe setting that up with a bunch of, or uh, um, a handful of good, positive uh, things that you like about them or that they do well. And so Paul does this. He says, man, you guys, you guys have been doing good. And this idea is scriptural. First um, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, So encourage each other and build each other up. This is what we should be doing as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, um, in there it says, Motivate one another by acts of love. And again, it says, Encourage one another. This is what we should be doing. In, in, in this case, when we um, load each other's emotional banks up, we're going to be taken more seriously when we have to um, set each other straight, if we can put it that way. And Paul starts um, by telling them that he always prays for them and that he is thankful for them. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven, you have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. Look at the positive things he tells them about in here. He says, we've heard about your faith. Your faith is good. And that you have love for God's people. And, oh, that hope that you have, it's confident. You have it. And you've had this expectation ever since you first heard. Good job. And he's thanking God for their faith in Jesus and their love. Uh, John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus says, <clears throat> Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Love will prove. Uh, you want to prove to the world how good of a disciple you are? Maybe prove to the world that you are a Christian? Well, here's how to do it. Love one another. Love one another. You know, we know how Paul feels about, about love. He, he wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if, if it doesn't come to mind already, that's the love chapter. It's the chapter that, that a lot of folks use for their, for their weddings. And he ends the chapter, this whole chapter on love, uh, saying, in verse 13, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. The, the greatest. So, Paul doesn't take love lightly. It's a big deal to him. Because everything else will fade away. Your problems, your pain, your suffering, it won't last forever but love will. You can count on love to get you through. No charm or magical pendant, no horoscope reading will comfort you and will give you peace like love does. Love. 
And to put love in perspective, uh, which is not that easy of a job to do, but I think of the kind of love that would be experienced by someone who selflessly takes care of you. Sometimes we get sidetracked thinking, oh, love is what we experience when we are young. Those of you who are married and have been married for a while, um, maybe you think back when, when you were a teenager or when you were first uh, engaged and you thought, boy, we was really in love then. But if you've been married for very long, you know that that stuff, it was good, but it was kind of silly doesn't really feel actually like love. Because when you've been together for a long time, and when you take care of each other through the difficult part, that feels more like the love that Jesus dying for us is. The love that that uh, He shows for us in the resurrection. Love in perspective. Uh, Paul knows about this. He, he is... The expert of Philippians chapter 4, verse 12 through 13 says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty, or plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I know how to live on almost nothing or everything. And that's why Paul moves on uh, to tell them that he has not stopped praying for God to give them complete knowledge and spiritual wisdom. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 10. He says, we have not stopped praying for you since we have first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will, to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding and then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. A prayer for knowledge. Spiritual wisdom. Knowledge of what? Well, it's good to pray for knowledge. Uh, it's good to p- pray for um, ideas on on how not to repeat the same uh, bad decisions that you made before. Like holding the jack steady with my thumb in the wrong spot. It has repercussions like now I feel my heart beat every time it beats in my thumb. And I can't do anything but give you guys a thumbs up the whole sermon. As I put my hand down, it feels like it's going to blow up. Uh, we pray for that kind of knowledge, how to not make those mistakes here, but this prayer here that Paul is praying for these folks, for knowledge and spiritual wisdom, knowledge of what? This is knowledge of God's will. God's will. What is God's will? Well, it is to receive your inheritance in heaven. That's for sure. But it's also to be sanctified to love one another, to follow His commands, and to turn from your old sinful ways. We have to renew our minds, like Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, 
And renewing our minds is the only way to consider your troubles and struggles an opportunity for joy and an opportunity to grow your faith. Like it says in the first chapter of James. Paul doesn't just pray for them to have knowledge though. He also prays that God will give them spiritual wisdom and understanding. Man, it's one thing to have head knowledge about Jesus being the Son of God and the Savior of the world. One thing to know it, but it's quite different uh, to have spiritual wisdom and understanding that leads to transformation. Uh, We can know the facts about someone without knowing them on a personal level. You probably know that to be true. We admire people like Mother Teresa. I heard a little bit about her this morning in Sunday school. We all admire her. But it's because our own mothers who feed us and clothe us and teach us that we grow up to walk and to talk and to become who we are. They actually are with us and caring for us. Well, we accept Jesus by faith, which is a relationship that moves beyond just knowledge of the facts, just knowing about Him or just hearing about Him. It comes a relationship. John chapter 17, verse 3 says that uh, what Jesus says, <clears throat> it says that Jesus as a ticket to heaven, and his word says, and this is the way to eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. But he is so much more than just a ticket to heaven. Knowing Jesus this way is such a deep relationship that his spirit comes to life inside of you. Reminds me of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And so when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom He promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so that we could praise and glorify Him. And though the Holy, through the Holy Spirit, we are able to gain spiritual understanding. First Corinthians, chapter two, verse ten. It says, but it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit, for His Spirit searches out everything, and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own Spirit. And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. Who wants to know God's deepest secrets? Secrets that He has for us. Who wants to know the wonderful things that He has freely given. I do. I do. And we can know those through the Holy Spirit and through discerning with wisdom the words of Scripture. 
Knowledge of God's will and spiritual understanding is the key to living a life that honors and pleases the Lord. He wants us to grow, to know Him better, and to produce good fruit. Paul rounds off his prayer for the Colossians by praying that they be strengthened by God's very own power. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11 through 14, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all this glorious power so that you will have the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. And just that right there, the endurance, the patience, and the joy. I want that. Always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to His people who live in the light. For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into a kingdom of His dear Son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Strengthened to endure, to be patient, to be filled with joy and thankfulness. Because He has rescued us. Oh, it's not easy to live in a kingdom that's not of this world. It's hard to understand. It's hard to face the harsh realities and consequences of sin, whether it be your own sin or the sin of others. But Paul knows that God can and will give you the strength to endure. He knows that you can have joy even in the midst of suffering. Most of all, He knows that we have so much to be thankful for considering that once we were dead in our sins without hope. But now, with new life in Christ, we can live. In the first part of this letter to the Colossians, we've read today, Paul is priming these folks. He's getting them ready to tell them exactly who Christ Jesus is, that He is supreme and sufficient. But first, he makes sure that they know these three things. Let's review these three things. You may not have all the answers or have a perfect doctrine, but if you have faith in Jesus and love for people, then you've got a rock-solid foundation that will stand firm. If you have faith in Jesus and love for people. Secondly, the knowledge and the spiritual understanding will come. Uh, Ask God for it. It's a process. You know, we don't learn addition or calculus, math like Bruce was talking about. We don't learn math in the same day, the simple stuff and the hard stuff, it's a process of learning. Knowledge and spiritual understanding, it's a process, it will come. And third, don't give up. Don't try to find a better answer than Jesus. Because there isn't one. Stop scrambling to alleviate your discomfort and be still and know that He is God and know what He has done for you. Folks, I want to conclude with this. My prayer for you guys. Same as Paul, I am so thankful for this church 
all of you that be part of the body of Christ here. When I look at you, I see faith, and I see love, and I see folks who are wanting to gain this knowledge and this understanding and that are showing love to each other. Man, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for the love that you show me. Don't give up. Praying that you don't give up. Jesus is still the answer no matter where you are in your walk. Every day, He's the answer. Don't give up because He has rescued us from this kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. That is my prayer for us today. Father God, I thank You so much for the book of Colossians that Paul wrote to the new believers there. Lord, I thank You so much for this body of believers here today. Lord, I I pray that You will equip us to uh, take Your Word, to take Your message into the community, that we boldly share it with others, and, and that we will love each other God, that we will share love because as your scripture says, that love will prove that we are your disciples, God. That's how you want us to to act, God, out of love. Lord, we thank you for the ultimate love that you have for us. You died and rose again so that we could be raised with you to eternal life in heaven someday. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Father God, we praise you that, uh, Lord, we are not stuck in our sin. Lord, that we are not stuck in a grave that will lead to, to hell. God, we praise you that we get a chance to rise above that. And Lord, we just do that by calling on your name, by putting our faith in you. And Lord, I pray over this congregation now, we'll continue to do your work and to be strong in our faith. Lord, not wavering, not giving in to this world, but living in your kingdom, God. Pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.